we get started before we read the scripture passage, I need I need four volunteers on the on the main row here to read uh, one or two passages of scripture, one or two verses of scripture. So if I, if you just raise your hand, I'll get you the card. And this will be later in the in the message. You get a volunteer, huh? <laughs> Anyone else? Okay, great. All right, so uh, I'll call on you later when uh, the time comes for you to read that. And Brian is going to bring around a microphone to you to uh, uh, let everybody hear what that passage of Scripture has to say. But right now we'd like to look at a passage of Scripture which is an incredible, incredible story about Jesus calming the storm. And it comes from the Gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter, verses 35 through 41. That day, that, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. <clears throat> the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. Speak to us, Lord, through your holy word. And I ask that this witness through your word will be a faithful one, that people will be able to see you clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a day of teaching. A lot of the things that we remember about Jesus were taught that day. And then they got into a boat and they, they started across the Sea of Galilee. The, the, the lake, it's a, it's, a, it's a lake where you can actually, if you were standing on one shore, you could see the other shore, but it's, it's quite a distance. So being out on that large of a body of water is, is very dangerous, uh, especially when a storm comes up and the waves are so high that they begin coming over the boat. And People on that on that boat, and I'm sure in the other boats that were with them, are thinking, you know, we we could die here. These boats could could capsize, and we may not make it back to shore. That's quite a quite a scene. And through it all, where's Jesus? What's he doing? He's sleeping in the stern of the boat. He's he's on a cushion. He's not a cushion. He's tired, obviously, and he's sleeping. And the the disciples, they wake him up, and what do they say to Jesus? Don't you care? Don't you care that we're about to drown, that we're about to die? Now, 
Let's get real honest with each other here, okay? I know it's, I know it's it happened in my life. storm has come along. Something has happened in your life. And it may have been in your mind and it may have been screamed out loud. But the words came. God, don't you care at all about me? Don't you care what I'm going through right now? Where are you? See, storms of life are a reality. Some of you know this, that when I was in college, when I went to college, I went to become um, an artist and, and, and somebody who worked in the art field, art business, and so I sought to major in business and art. And it was during my uh, college career that I kind of got sidetracked, ended up in ministry, started taking religious courses and and ended up a double major art and, and religion and, and uh, minor in business. What do, you, what do you do with that? Well, it's probably good to be a pastor, I guess. Um, but I've, I've, never, I've never lost that love for art. And I love the old masters. I even, I even like Picasso. Can you believe that? Um, but one that I really, really like painted back in the 1600s was named Rembrandt. And if you were, uh, or if you are going with the Bible studies that we're having, you'll see that Jessica Legrone talks about Rembrandt. I, I personally think she's made a few mistakes in some of her opening comments, and, um, but that comes from my own art history uh, courses. She, she mentions uh, that this one painting that we're going to see here in a minute is the only seascape, and I know that's not the case. That, that Rembrandt has done. And she also refers to him as an impressionist, and I, I take, uh, uh, I, I would challenge that because he was about 200 years, he may have been a father of impressionist painting, but about 200 years before the impressionist movement was uh, in, in full force. But she makes a, a, an interesting point, which I find very fascinating. It has to do with a Rembrandt painting. And, uh, has anybody ever seen a real Rembrandt painting? I have. I, I've seen a, a, a few. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that, like, spent three days in the National Gallery of Art going through that, just, just soaking up what I could see. And when I met Joy and I tried to develop within her the same love of art, it didn't quite work. She said, you know, Roger, I, t I took an art appreciation course in college, and that's, that's enough. You know, you see the picture, you move on with life. And I, 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 did, I did convince her to go with me to the St. Louis uh, Gallery of Art one time, and we were walking through that. And you know how you go to a mall, and you see all the retired guys sitting on benches? while their wives are shopping. Well, Joy's sort of like that at an art gallery. She said, you go look at the paintings, I'm gonna sit right here. And, and, and so 
um, you know, I, I knew that I was pushing it by, by being there as long as I was, but there were some more rooms we had to go in to, to see it. So we were walking into one room, and I stopped. And I, I'll, I'll never forget, I, I looked, and, and they had positioned this painting, which was a portrait uh, painting that Rembrandt had painted. And I didn't know that it was there, but I stopped. I pointed at it. Joy looked at me, and then she looked at the painting, and she looked back at me and said, great, you ready to go to lunch? <laughs> but anyway, uh, Rembrandt is, is, is just a, was, was an incredible painter, and back in 1633, he painted a painting called Christ on the Storm on the Sea of Galilee, and this is a picture of it. Um, we may have to dim the lights a little bit so you can see it. And you may have to get online to really study this painting. But it's got some cool things in it because all these characters are doing different things. There's one that is kneeling in prayer. There's another one that is hanging his head over the side of the, uh, the boat. You know what he's doing. He's puking his guts out. And then there's others that are talking with Jesus and trying to, you know, uh, get him, you know, like, don't you care? There's others that are, are fighting to uh, keep the boat afloat, and you can see the waves are coming over the boat. It is a very, very serious situation. And this, is, this has been a very famous painting. Probably, you may know this painting. It's about, I think it's about six feet tall. Um, but back in 1990, on March 18th, there was a thing called the, 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 you know, the greatest art fest in the history of the world. And uh, in Boston, several paintings were stolen, and this was one of them. And that's back in 1990, and we still, the world does not know where this painting is. It's still out there somewhere. Uh, but, uh, you know, we do have, obviously, pictures of it. And for years, people have studied this, and they found out something unusual about this painting. On that boat, the 12 disciples, right? And Jesus makes 13. But if you study the picture, and you probably can't really see them all because some of them are in the darker, but there's actually 14 figures on the boat. On the boat. Not 13. Jesus and the 12 disciples, but 14. Now, you know, why would Rembrandt make that kind of mistake by miscounting the people that should be on that boat? You know, people wonder, what in the world is that all about? But then those who are smarter than I am, uh, let's see that close-up, Brian. If you look at the guy in blue, you see that? Notice that 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 color is really different from anything else in the painting. That guy in the blue, he's sort of, sort of hanging on. He's got his, trying to hold on to his hat, hold on, you know, to, to the, to ride out the storm there, and he's looking right at you. You see that? And what we know is that is a self-portrait of Rembrandt standing up. He painted himself in this picture. Now, why would he do that? 
I think Rembrandt is telling us that this miracle that happened so long ago is far, far more than just Jesus calming one storm. That Jesus, in essence, in essence, can calm storms today as well. Now, if you look back at the text, the disciples said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? It's like us saying, God, don't you care? And when he woke up, he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves and said, Quiet, be still. I find that kind of fascinating, did a little study on it. And it's interesting that that, that the, the words in Greek are used earlier in Mark, it's actually Mark verse, or chapter 1, verse 25, that has the same word. He's not talking to a storm, he's talking to an individual who has been possessed and whose life is a total mess and uh, the, 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 the demonic forces are speaking out and Jesus says the same words, be quiet, quiet be still. Now, what, what is the real translation? Well, the real translation is, is sort of put a muzzle on it. You ever said that to somebody or somebody ever said that? You know what I mean? It, it's basically to muzzle. Now, a Roger Perry translation would be, shut up. You, you know, he's just, he's ordering the, uh, the, 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 the demons in this man to, to, to be quiet, to shut up. But isn't it interesting that he does the same thing to the storm? He gets up and he says to the storm, the storm put a muzzle on it. And then the storm settles down. Now, the next line, I think, is absolutely fascinating. It's what happens to the disciples in that point. As if the storm was not enough to terrify you, look at, look at verse 41. It says, they were terrified and asked each other. So it's after the storm, after it had calmed down, they're, they're terrified. What are they terrified of? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Who is this guy that we have, have decided to follow? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Just all that is kind of scary. Why? I think that the real miracle here is that even in the greatest storms of our life, we need to realize that Christ is Lord. Has any of you, have any of you ever survived a hurricane? There's a few of you who have. You've been there. You know what that's like. And uh, uh, I, I can only imagine what you went through in the, in the you know, the scary situation. I have a brother that lives in North Carolina and his property several years ago was right in line with where a hurricane was coming through. And he was telling me about it afterwards. He, he, uh, he lost hundreds of trees on, on his property and, 
he's worried about you know the the house and the other outbuildings that he had, and so they were they were in the basement and and riding out the storm and then the storm hit and stopped. And he went outside and he, he walked around in what's called the eye of the storm. Do you know what do you know what that is? In the eye of the storm it was perfectly still and peaceful and calm. And I just imagine these major forest winds that are flowing down trees and all of a sudden it's calm. It's still. And my brother, I'm not saying he's the smartest man in the world. He's out walking around in the eye of the storm, checking out the damage. And he says, you know, Roger, the wind started back up, and I was, I, was, I was fortunate to get back to the house in time because the rest of the storm was coming through. Now, Jesus teaches us that he is the eye of the storm. That in Jesus Christ, there is peace and calm. Even with, with a storm that is whirling around you, when you are with Jesus, you can have real peace. What are some of the storms that we have in life? One is, one is simply grieving and sorrow. Another one is, is problems that come up that cause the storm. Another one is just anxiety or worry. Let's look at let's look at the first one. Jesus brings peace into our grieving situations. Who has John sixteen? Which one uh, on the card? All right, Susie, would you read that? Would you hit, hit them strong? Would you read that for us? This is John sixteen verse twenty. Is that you got verse twenty? Oh, no, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Tracy. I, I messed you up. John 16, verse 20. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Okay, this is Jesus telling us that, yeah, we are going, there's going to be a storm of sorrow. There's going to be a storm of grief. And, and some of you may be there right now. You may be experiencing a storm of grief. But Jesus has a promise for you. And that is that your grief will be turned into joy. That's an incredible promise. But it's, it's a reality because he is in the storm with you. How about problems? How can, how can there be peace with problems in our lives? Anybody got any problems here? Oh, none of you. You're all problem free. Is that right? Oh, man. I've got problems. you got problems. We live with problems. They just come up. And sometimes it's like the waves are coming over the, the edge of the, the, the side of the boat, and it's about to swamp us. What do we do with our problems? How about Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30? Who's got that one? Maybe, maybe it's 29. Go ahead. You can, whichever makes sense. I, do you want to start with 28? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'll start with 28. 
uh, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you my rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, yeah, I, I couldn't read my writing either, so don't, don't think about it. Uh, it. It was either 28 or 29, I, but you got it right, you got it right. Tw- it, uh, it was 28. And the, the, the thing there is that, you know, Jesus is, is, is saying, there, there'll be problems, there'll be hardships, but take my yoke upon you. It's like, add my burden to you. How many of you know what a yoke is? Yoke is a very interesting thing. When you have a yoke on, you can carry a lot more weight and a lot easier to do that. The, the, the yoke of oxen can push more weight, pull more weight than, than uh, if, if they were just simply trying to do it uh, without the yoke. So Jesus is using that as saying, you know, that, that my burden is light. You know, take my yoke upon you. But also, look at John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay, he's admitting it. In this world you will have trouble. There will be storms in life, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see it? He's there. He understands it. He is the one that is the miracle worker who overcomes the world. Well, what about worry and anxiety? You know, um, we all love that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, but how many of us actually do that? I mean, uh, it's it's, worry comes. What do we do when we worry? Well, Jesus can bring peace in the midst of worry. And there's Matthew 6, 25 and 26. Well, read that too. (laughs) Because he's a worrier. (laughs) Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Thank you. All right, these were words of Jesus. And readers, thank you for helping out. Uh, The next four Sundays, you guys are preaching. Forget this. Um, the, The thing I want you to see is that there can be peace in the midst of your storm. If you are a Christ follower, you have accepted the reality that Jesus died for you. He had a horrid and terrible death, and he died for your sins. Now, I've got a question for you. If Jesus was to go so far as to die on the cross for you and to raise again from the dead to prepare a place for you in heaven, don't you think he would be with you in the storm? 
of love? Do you, do you actually think Jesus would leave you in the storm? The answer is no. He is Lord. And even when the storm is high and it's blowing and we're, we're, we're frustrated, we're saying, God, don't you care? The answer is yes. And he's the one that can bring peace in the midst of the storm. Now, earlier we celebrated Holy Communion, and, and many of you know that that comes from what we know as the Last Supper, a, a time when, when Jesus gathered with his disciples before the, the crucifixion, and he had pretty well let them know. I mean, they, you know, they, they, had, they had problems. They were in grief because Jesus told them that, we, that, that he would be going away from them. They, they, they had worry and anxiety because... They knew that even being with Jesus was uh, uh, a dangerous for their lives as well. I mean, it was all there. And in that time that they're together, Jesus begins to talk to them about peace in the midst of the storm. And it's there that Jesus said, and you can find these words in John 14. He looks at them in the midst of this massive storm. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He goes on and tells them about heaven and, and uh, the place he's preparing for them. And he says, uh, And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to where I am, because where I am, you will be also. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we, don't, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Do you remember what Jesus said? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So he starts that out by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. And he ends it by saying, we pray. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. This peace that surpasses all understanding doesn't stop when you hit a storm in life. I want you all to be one that I am. I want you all to put yourself in that boat with the disciples. Hang on for dear life that you can look at your storm and realize Jesus is there for you. And it'll bring about peace that will not be understood by this will be experienced in your heart. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for uh, your incredible miracles, Jesus, that uh, this is just one, but it can be repeated time and time again in our lives. And so, Lord, I ask that you will be with each one of us as we walk from this place, and, and many of us uh, walk right into to the storm again, that we will remember that you are there and that you are the miraculous miracle worker in the desperate times of our lives.
in Jesus' name I pray.